Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Well, they've pushed Manchester City all the way this season, which is no easy feat, just ask Liverpool. But expectations have skyrocketed. Champions League football is back. And whether they finish as champions or not, the future appears to be bright. So what do Mikel Arteta's Arsenal need to do to get to the next level? And how will the way they operate need to change? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. Towards Gabriel Jesus, who pulls it back and Shaka can dig it out. Gabriel Jesus come. I wake up in the morning and I cannot wait to start working and what we're going to do and how we're going to maintain that. And I know that we are taking those players to the limit, to the very, very, very limit to be where we are. But this is the only way to do it with this group of players and to be where we are. But at the same time, I think you have to look in at where Arsenal were last year and where they are today. There is a progress in this football club. Yes, and of yes. course, the players in the dressing room, they will want to win the title. I think Arsenal are now moving to a, a more mature stage of their development where they're going to try and bring in some really high-level players and with experience as well as they move into the Champions League. So joining us for this one from The Athletic, our football news correspondent David Ornstein, former Arsenal footballer turned broadcaster Adrian Clark, who uh, has a... A uh, big smile on his face after uh, after the three one win over uh, Chelsea last night. When you watched them last night, Adrian, did it show both why they are at the top, but also maybe why they will finish behind Manchester City? Yeah, I think that's probably a good way of putting it. Yeah, I agree. It was it was just the kind of night where Arsenal needed to put on a bit of a performance, lift spirits put smiles on faces and they definitely did that in the first half didn't they I mean wow that was that was pretty one-sided as one-sided as I can remember an Arsenal Chelsea game at Emirates Stadium great movement good attitude aggression in everything that they wanted to do and yeah they looked a cut above didn't they They looked like a team and Chelsea really didn't look anything like a team but then in the second half sort of took their foot off the gas I think they can't seem to put Two halves together at the moment, Arsenal. And, and for that reason, Chelsea got chances and it all got a little bit wobbly for a time. And yeah, it, it was it was more nervy than it than it should have been. So but that's where Arsenal are at. They're mm. we're a good team, very good team, but there are flaws still, and I think we, we all recognise that. They they have a habit in the majority of games of absolutely going hell for leather. For the, for the first half hour, maybe the first half, and then seem to allow teams back into it. I mean, there there is there are the odd exceptions: Southampton at home being one, Bournemouth at home being another. Um, it, it, but that probably again indicates where they are are at with strength of squad. Really, first first eleven, and then maybe 12, 13, 14, Fantastic, but when changes are made, maybe that's where you see squad depth. Yeah, I would agree. Although. Last night, obviously Martinelli was on the bench, so that was a 
almost an upgrade, I suppose, uh, him for Trossard. Um, and, and Jorginho's not a regular starter, Kivio neither. So I was pleased that Arteta trusted some of his squad members from the start of the game. So that's definitely a step forward. But yeah, I think in general, if I'm being honest, I, I feel that the, the starting team, the main team, are just a little bit jaded at the moment, a little bit flagging mentally and physically. And that's probably understandable. You know, been through quite a lot, haven't there? Been too many roller coaster emotional matches, probably for for everyone's liking. And and I think it just took its toll. The team needed freshening up. He did it for this game, and I think we saw an energized first half. But they couldn't keep it going. Do you think it is? Since you said trust, there. Do you think that plays an element in this? In that there are there are obviously very very good players within this squad, but maybe it boils down to trust. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, Earlier on in the season, was it a Liverpool game, Arsenal didn't put anybody on right until the end, you know, when, when they got themselves in front. Mikel Arteta had an issue before January that he didn't, he looked at his bench and he thought, I don't think any of them are going to improve this. That's changed a little bit since January with with the arrivals. But, but it's something that Mikel Arteta, I think, is going to have to persist with because in the Champions League, when you've got Champions League, Premier League, you have to you have to rotate. You can't go same eleven every single game. Uh, he needs players that can come in for Premier League matches that he trusts that can still deliver the the wins that he needs. Because there's no point qualifying for the Champions League and then putting the reserves out. He's going to have to go strong in that competition. So yeah, that that is the job that they've all got to do this summer. They've got to build a squad that's good enough to to have I don't know 18, 19 players that Mikel Arteta trusts. Yeah, and I mean, we ought to just sort of throw this line in here whilst we're doing this podcast, which came from Amy Lawrence, which is you can't have a post-mortem when the person isn't actually dead yet. And that kind of (laughs) feels like what we are doing uh, a little bit, David. But Adrian's point there, you know, squad of 18-19 that Mikhail Arteta trusts, trusts all of them. And Arsenal fans probably hate this, but this goes back to Pep Guardiola and Manchester City, who do operate, really, with a squad of 18-19, who Pep Guardiola has the complete trust in. It's a smaller squad than a lot of Premier League rivals work with. Yeah, it's certainly not a squad of 32, Mark, and there's trust, <laughs> which is the key word in in all or most of those players. And you've heard numerous managers speak over the years. I think I remember Maurizio Pochettino at Tottenham when he led them to the Champions League final, talking about how he liked working with a small squad uh, where everybody was really closely knit. And clearly Arteta's trying to build that. We remember vividly how he and Edu as technical director, sort of now sporting director, uh, oversaw a cull, really, of of players on the periphery, the likes of Mesut Ozil, Skodran Mustafi, Socrates, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and others. And now he's got a nucleus of what he wants, but I think they're going to have to upgrade in certain areas and build depth in others. And that's why it makes this a, a particularly busy summer. I think Arsenal are now moving to a, a more mature stage of their development where they're going to try and bring in some really high-level players and with experience as well as they move into the Champions League. And you know, that's why it's going to be even tougher for younger players to break through as well. You know, you need to be at the level maybe of a Bakayo Saka if you're going to get there. You're not even seeing somebody like Emile Smith-Rowe getting opportunities at the minute, let alone players 
lower down the ladder. And that's testament to the progress Arsenal are making under Arteta. Expectations have changed. Standards have been raised. Um, The bar is now being set uh, far higher than it was before. And um, it's going to create dilemmas. It's going to create headaches, mostly healthy, but big questions of budgets and quality of recruitment. Okay, so so when we look to the summer, what kind of budget do they have? I mean, you might not be probably unlikely to give an actual figure, but are they, you know, are they in the market for one eighty million pound player? Could they have two eighty million pound players? What what's their level? Well, I'm not aware of there being a defined budget. Perhaps there is, and if there is, I don't know the exact number. The evidence of recent times would suggest that the Cronkies are prepared to back. Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, Edu, heavily within the transfer market. They've put their money where their mouth is, which was something that a lot of people, fans of Arsenal, wanted to see for a long time. And and they've delivered in in recent transfer windows. I don't see why that wouldn't have continued in any circumstances, let alone uh, now that they're going to have the revenue uplift of being in Europe's top tier competition. And for that reason, you, you imagine they'll crack on with targets, central midfield being a, a priority. They've been heavily linked uh, in January, of course, we saw with Declan Rice. They looked at that one and then ended up uh, cracking on with a deal for Moises Caicedo. It didn't come to fruition. So, of course, you imagine if they felt the need to strengthen in, in that area in the middle of the season, then they definitely will want to in the summer and so we see every day links with with Declan Rice and we know how strong their admiration is for him so it's whether they do indeed pick up that one and try and get it done I suspect they'll face competition for him as well and his stock appears to be rising with West Ham although it's at that two years to go contract stage where you would imagine West Ham now having resisted his sale previously would sanction it for the right price. I don't know what will happen with Caicedo, whether they go back in for him, whether the price would be too high after signing his new contract at Brighton. And then in front of that sort of more holding position, the six, so to speak, there is the need or the the feeling around the club that maybe a bit more creativity is is needed in front to, to supplement the likes of Martin Odegaard. And that's why there is admiration for Mason Mount, uh, for example. They'll have others on their list as well, no doubt. And other clubs will be interested in him too. So it's whether they manage to get a couple in in midfield. Would they do one now or one in the next transfer window? And then, of course, there are other positions. And, you know, central defence is one that I definitely think they'll be looking to uh, bring in reinforcements in, whether it's a starter or, or a backup player. I think Rob Holding will have a year to go. And uh, despite his his clear quality, we've seen in the absence of William Saliba that it's a bit of a markdown when when he's absent. And then you even look at the fullback positions, what's going to happen with Kieran Tierney? And if he was to leave, would they need to reinforce at left back? At right back, Ben White's been playing there. Tommy Asu's got a checkered injury record. If he can't be depended on fitness-wise. Is Ben White the only option? I, I don't know who would fill in. Is there a young player coming through who they can really trust? It doesn't appear so yet. And then there's an ongoing question about the striker department. Can you go with just Jesus and Enketia in the Champions League and fighting on all fronts? Or, or do you need to bring in uh, somebody to bolster in that area with the unlikely scenario of it being following Balogun? Because his progress has led him to the point where 
he wants a regular starting slot somewhere. That's unlikely to be at Arsenal for now. And as we've reported on The Athletic, there's a very good chance that he could leave permanently this summer. So I've just tallied that up. They're going to sign 15 players in the summer. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, it's a Chelsea-level Chelsea spend, <laughs> the way I've described it. And I definitely do not mean to say they'll be spending £600 million. Orny, there'll be some sales, surely. And that, Adrian, was what I was going to come mm. on to with mm. you. Mm. How they sell this summer could be really important for them. If you're looking at, you know, they're going to the next level, they'll probably have to spend more money on the kind of players they want. They're moving from maybe £30 million market to £60 million market. So how they sell is going to be vital because that, in previous, you know, one of Liverpool's successes was built around how they sold some of their young players, but also players that they felt they could move on, like Coutinho, for a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there are a lot of players out on loan this season, and I would imagine that the, the vast majority of those are out on loan because Mikel Arteta doesn't have a place for them. So, so they, they would be top of the list. Nicola Pepe is a is a clear example. I think following Balogun, a lot of Arsenal fans would love to see him get a chance, and he might do in pre season on the tour of America. Will he hit the ground running? Does he fit in with with the style of play, etc.? How does he look next to Eddie Nketiah? That, I think, is a big question mark. And if he looks sharper than Eddie, then what yeah. happens there? Maybe, maybe it's Eddie that, that they cash in on. We'll have to wait and see. But it wouldn't surprise me if Balogun went in the way that Willock went. Obviously, Joe Willock, when, um, when he was hot... On, on that loan spell, they cashed in, didn't they, when his, when his stock was high and they might do that with Balogun. Pepe, I think, has to go. Um, and there'll be others too. So yeah, that, that's one way of balancing the books. But I would I would echo what, what Orny said there in terms of the, the areas of the pitch. I think centre midfield for sure. Definitely a striker. I've been banging this drum. I bore myself um, talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> Me and Amy Lawrence on handbrake off. We've been, we've been saying since last summer, Let's go for a different profile of striker, someone a bit bigger, someone that gives a different option. I hope that happens. I really do. I mean, the one, the one that I always come to is Ivan Tony, and now I don't know whether Arsenal have any interest in Ivan Tony, mm. but but he would be the ideal type of player, I think, that can do a job for you in the Premier League on a Saturday and Sunday, and 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 that frees up Gabriel Jesus to hit it against Real Madrid or whoever on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And, and actually, Adrian, that's exactly the kind of signing that would have been made you know, 20 years ago by, even 15 years ago, by, by sides, by successful big Premier League teams, they would go to that next tier down, the sort of players who'd proved themselves and were ready for the next step up. Now, we all know that that doesn't feel like it happens as much. Well, it it did happen, didn't it, with White? It happened with Trossard? Yes, I suppose it it did happen with White. It's sort of begun to happen at Arsenal. They've gone to the smaller clubs in the Premier League and and sort of, not bullied them, but thrown their weight around a little bit. They tried to do it with Caicedo in January. We're talking about Declan Rice. I love this shift and I think it's a really welcome one because Premier League proven does matter and I know that you pay a little bit extra but look look what's happened with Fabio Vieira someone that was really really talented scouted no doubt for a long time but you don't know you don't know how he's going to handle the Premier League and he's done all right but I think that there's there's probably a feeling of slight underwhelmment at what he's produced so far with Trossard you know the comparison is is, is obvious so look at centre-half 
I'm just going to chuck names out here. <laughs> the first ones that come to my head. But at centre-half, what about a Lewis Dunk? Somebody like that, that that can pass out from the back brilliantly, you know, and then, and then you've got Ivan Tony, and then obviously we know about the central midfield interest in Rice and, and Caicedo. So, yeah, they're the type of players I'd go for if, and, if it were me. And on behalf of all non-Arsenal fans, particularly Brighton fans, uh, apologies for this yeah. being yes, another podcast <laughs> where someone comes on and tries to nick all your best players and although not on this one, your manager as well, David. Adrian, what do you think of reports linking Arsenal to Mark Gehi of Crystal Palace? He's clearly a a player who is rising in stock for club and country. Uh, There have been suggestions that Tottenham and others are keen too, but Arsenal has been cropping up a little bit recently. And would that sort of fit your criteria for quality depth, even homegrown, age profile in central defence? Almost. I think he's he's there or thereabouts. I actually think he's taken a slight backward step this season, Mark Gurhey. I don't think he's been as good this season as he was the previous year. You asked me a year ago, I would have said, yeah, for mm. sure. But I don't know if he's kicked on. And there were one or two little question marks there. Is he too laid back, for example? I think that's that would be a question mark that I'd put over him. But yeah, I think he's the, he's the profile. He'd be happy, I, I would imagine, to come, to be the third choice. But Kivior, I think, will be the cover for Gabriel. It is, it is finding someone right-footed that's pretty much as good as Saliba or almost as good as Saliba that, that will be happy getting 20 games in all competitions over the course of a season. And and yeah, yeah, somebody like that would, would be fine. And I think there's one other really important point to mention in and among this perception of Arsenal's improved recruitment operation is that they're not stopping there. They're trying to make it even better. So... My colleague Art de Rocher recently reported on The Athletic that uh, it's been confirmed internally that there's been a bit of a reshuffle and that Edu's long-term sidekick, Jason Ato, has been promoted to assistant sporting director in a not-too-dissimilar way to what we've seen at, say, Liverpool with Michael Edwards and Julian Ward, Manchester City with Chiki Bagiristain and Omar Barada. Different titles, perhaps, but the same sort of ethos that you have a number one and number two. Maybe even the number two will become the number one at some point. Um, But they work in tandem very smoothly. And then Arsenal have also moved a member of their recruitment team, James Ellis, up to head of recruitment. So again, that sort of at least outwardly gives a a real impression of, of strength and clarity to their operation. Now, this was an operation that faced fierce criticism for a long time. You know, they got rid of a load of recruitment personnel off the back of COVID. There was a lot of unhappiness around that. Whatever the ins and outs, rights and wrongs, behind the scenes, explicitly, they appear to be onto a good thing. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You write the article, David, on Charlie Patino set to leave at the end of the season. We've discussed Balogun. There's, you know, there may be question marks about... Emil Smith-Rowe, we've mentioned Eddie Nketiah. Fans, local fans in particular, and I think Arsenal fans are going to be in this situation now, that really hard moment of going to the next level but wanting that next level to be with one of your own, with the kids you bring through. We're, we're all the same football fans, I think, in that. So there'll be an, ele- there'll be an element of sadness if... Smith-Rowe or Balogun, or particularly given the hype around Patino even eight, what, 18 months ago maybe, if, they, if they're moved on, that comes at a slight emotional cost for fans. Yeah, definitely. And I was actually quite surprised by the strength of reaction to our story on Monday about Patino because clearly um, the evidence has built up through youth ranks and, and playing on loan at Blackpool, but also a bit of a myth around these players. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, to the contrary. Um, I mean, it, the, it can a, a snowball, can't it? It can yeah. snowball. A couple uh, of people see them, praise them, then it snowballs. Fans who've never seen them then jump on jump onto it, and this is our next great hope. Exactly. And that's through no fault of the kid. No, exa- absolutely, and, and and more perception than myth, and and so so in his case, he he made a couple of senior appearances. They they didn't go so well, but it was it was part of a developmental phase. There was a really difficult uh, defeat at Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup that that he started in, and I think that said to Mikel Arteta and a lot of people at Arsenal that he needs time to develop, and and it was a difficult circumstance right then for Arsenal. And the loan at Blackpool, those who who have watched him have said, you know, flashes of, of brilliance. The player we've seen develop on, at Arsenal from the age of, what, 10 when he came from Luton Town. A real precocious talent. Let's not make any mistake about that. Left-footed central midfielder that can really transition from defence to attack. He's incredibly creative, eye for a pass, vision and and plenty more besides. But equally, it's been a terribly difficult season for Blackpool in terms of managerial changes, relegation, fights. And so, you know, he, the fans warmed to him immediately, which said that that certainly he, he he has he has caught the eye. And Arsenal have been watching him closely there. They've been sending people uh, to assess his performances. But this is the fine line that we're, we're dealing with now in the what we said earlier, the Bakayo Saka level is kind of where expectations are at. And if a player isn't going to reach that or close to it or is in a position where there's real need um, or, or there's a homegrown number that needs to be hit, then Arsenal are going to have to make some tough decisions because they uh, they have a financial fair play situation to consider. Like every other club, you mentioned Chelsea before. Um, does sentiment start to go out the window a little bit there? But all clubs will want some 
you know, a British core, some homegrown players, but equally they will think that any players they bring in will 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 immerse themselves in club culture and Arsenal identity, which many of the current Arsenal players have. And, and then you look at the balance sheet as well, selling somebody like Balogun or Patino or Smith Rowe, there's zero on the books. It's pure profit, which is a conversation, Mark, that you know we've been having a lot on Chelsea. So, the situation with Patino now is actually not too dissimilar to Balogun. Their preference is not to go on another loan away from Arsenal. Patino has a year longer than Balogun. But, you know, that was an option that was activated by Arsenal with, with Patino. So he would have remained, I think, on his, his previous salary, which should have been very low. Really, if he's part of your plans, you need to put him on a new contract and reward him accordingly. If that's not happening, which it doesn't seem to be right now, then a decision needs to be made. And it sounds like like the boy is driving that decision that he wants to go and play regular football somewhere and I think we can all see he's probably not going to be part of Arsenal's Champions League plans next season and I think an even bigger question will come around Smith Rowe because he was given the number 10 shirt he was given a big new contract and he's featured very little now there may be reasons for that you know there are reports that he's training well there's no particular reason for it other than you know other players being in line and Fabio Vieira came at quite heavy expense, although he hasn't played so much or shone so much in the second half of the season. There may be a bit of a feeling that he needs to be played given the expenditure, etc. And there will be clubs that will have their eye on Smith Rowe, no doubt. Aston Villa pursued him heavily before signing that new contract, for example, and he's in a position that many clubs are looking for. So these are the dilemmas that are approaching for Arsenal and, and Patino, Balogun and, and Smith Rowe are at the forefront of their mind, no doubt. Yeah, and they have value, don't they? Um, and, and as you've both pointed out, the bar has changed and, and there's no shame. You know, it's OK being emotionally attached to these players and I get it. But at the same time, for their own careers, they, they need to play. You get to a certain age where you have to play regular football, otherwise your, your career is going to stall. And I mean, for Smith Rowe next season, he needs to play, whether it's at Arsenal or somewhere else. I don't want Arsenal to sell him because I still believe in him. But but for his career, if he's going to get only a handful of matches next season, he might drive. He might drive a, a, a move away, and that would be understandable. I've kind of been in this position. I'm not. I'm not the same level as a Smith Rowe, but I could maybe put myself with Patino back in the day. You know, I'd, I'd had a taste of the first team. I'd done pretty well, but then I was back on the periphery. I was out on loan. And Arsenal were in the market for a new winger. And who were they looking at? Mark Overmars, who was <laughs> at the time <laughs> absolutely miles better than me. And, and was always, he was, he was twice as quick. Uh, he was probably the world's best left winger at that time, or certainly in the conversation. And you know what? You sometimes you've got to say, my pathway's blocked here. It's not happening. And I, and I think that, that Patino, even though he's quite young, probably got to look at the situation and think well Rice might be coming in we've already got Xhaka we've got Partey and just think yeah this is this is Was the time that, to move on did you find did you find that hard to deal with or easy to deal with because it was Mark Overmars so if you go well <laughs> look they're bringing Mark Overmars what can I what can I do about yeah, exactly. that really it's yeah, time exactly. to move on it made it easier definitely yeah. it, it made, you know I, I was I was upset at leaving Arsenal I didn't want to go but for the sake of your career you get to a point where you have to play games otherwise you're just going to disappear off the face of the planet mm. and you can't you've got to you've got to keep momentum you've got to build and develop and improve 
And um, yeah, if, if Arsenal do end up selling a few of their homegrown products this summer, I think yeah, the fans won't love it. But at the same time, I think they've got to realise it might be best for the individuals and the squad as well to to do that. And to both of your points, the conversations I've had suggest that the the dialogue, the discussions, the talks around the Patino situation have been amicable. You know, it's not like there's a player desperate to go and a club standing in his way and wanting to stockpile him and hoard this young homegrown talent who the fans are pinning their hopes on uh, and, and vice versa. That the, there's a realisation, a maturity in it that sometimes these situations occur. And going back to that first point I made on on the the reaction to the story, you know, many understand it and 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 recognize that come on let's be grown up about this it the the fairy tale doesn't always happen of course he would have been one of the next stars at arsenal but arsenal looked dramatically different to how they were looking when he was starting to emerge and timing is a a blessing or a curse yeah. uh, you know right place <laughs> yeah. at the right moment and wrong place at the right moment well i played i played when it was Riox era and and arsenal were still a strong team but we were a weaker side than when wenger took over he signed Vieira, he signed anelka and then he was going in for the likes of Overmars and Petit. And it was like, well, the level has changed. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a squad that I could get into previously was became almost unattainable. And maybe that's where we're getting to with, with and, some of these younger players. Yeah, and, and there's no, no shame in that No, absolutely not. And also, you, you mentioned Willock earlier. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Willock. I mean, that that's the prime example of... of in many ways, what a player can achieve, but also the primary role of a football club when you have young men and women in, in your academies is to, if they don't make it with you, to make that that should be your prime objective, to make sure that they have a good career. That is your duty of care as a as a football club. And, and well, both Willocks, actually, are, are a prime example of that. Yeah, and that's okay. And I guess one of the yeah. things that is crucial is to see how they respond afterwards, how the strength of their recruitment. And so both can coexist. I think nobody is begrudging the Willock move at Arsenal, brought in some good finance, gave him his opportunity to flourish. I mean, it looked a bit tasty at the beginning because it was the Steve Bruce era and there was a lot of scrutiny over whether that move was wise or not, but he's proved himself really well um, and Arsenal recruited well and everybody, um, you know, can can move on happily. I don't hear many recriminations on, on that front and, and that's the sort of pattern that I guess Arsenal and other clubs will be looking to sell. You can't have it both ways, you know, there's uh, been many accusations at Arsenal and others that they're not good sellers. You know, Liverpool were great sellers and, mm. and Manchester City were poor sellers, but they're now good sellers. Over a uh, hundred million that they recouped and they seem to get stronger last summer. Now maybe Arsenal are coming into that cyclical phase um, of being of being good sellers. I've been impressed impressed by their recruitment operation. Many questions now are going to come of Manchester United. How do they do that? And 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 so yeah, that. Um, it's it's a sort of it's a two way thing, and Arsenal are getting the balance right at the moment. I think very quickly because I know Adrian has to go, but from both of you, I, I do wonder when we we're looking to a future already. I do wonder whether there are how much realism there is within any club at the moment, given the competitive nature now of the. 
I don't know whether you want to do top six, top seven, top eight, whoever, whoever it may be. Whether you could do Newcastle, whether you could mention, well, you obviously would do Newcastle, but you could mention Villa. Brighton keep cropping up. You know, for all you plan and all you look long-term and all you want sustained success, there's only four teams who can get into these Champions League spots every year. You look at Liverpool, you look at Chelsea, you look at Tottenham. You can have a bad season. I, w- I wonder how much realism there is. How much realism, Adrian, do you think there is within Arsenal? And then how much realism do you think there is within the industry, David? As a, as to, I'm, I'm kind of ending an Arsenal podcast on a negative. I don't mean to do that, but you yeah. take my point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they're, they're just looking upwards at the moment at Arsenal. I don't think they're too worried about the bigger picture or the competition. They're London's most successful club this season we know that players like to live in London. You know, they're a big pull. And I think that for in the here and now, they've got to use that. They haven't got to worry about, oh, what if we're not in the Champions League next year or the year after? I don't think that's where they're at. I think it's, this team is growing. This team is getting better and better. We've got to use use this position to really strengthen and reinforce this summer. And, you know, without obviously going over the top. Um, and and I think they'll be sensible about it. But I hope, I really hope they're ambitious because what a time to go out and try and cherry pick some top players this summer. It's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, and I think they know that. They've got to strike while the iron's hot. You know, the way or the condition that some other clubs are in at the exact moment where Arsenal appear to be on an upward trajectory is only going to strengthen a position that over the years, there's been this phrase that Arsene Wenger and uh, Raul Sanlehi used of the Arsenal knock is different. When Arsenal come calling, you know, every player you speak to wants to join. I'm not sure how strictly true that always was. But but right now it's a really attractive proposition. And um, while Chelsea they used to say go- that to me when I went in for contract negotiations, just to knock me down a little bit. Look, everyone wants your job, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we know they've 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 not got it right at all times. And but but when you see Chelsea in in their situation, Liverpool trying to rebuild, uh, Manchester United to Tottenham in something of a, a sticky situation, then then Arsenal will see this summer as being absolutely crucial to their sort of short, medium and even their long-term ambitions. And so I do think the Cronkies will back them. And I, I see Arsenal uh, continuing to be successful in the years ahead. OK, we, we will end it there, mainly because Adrian's got to go off and do the Arsenal podcast now, which is handbrake <laughs> off. Although remember... Remember, Adrian, everybody wants that job on that podcast, so keep keep doing exactly. a good job, otherwise they'll be after it. <laughs> Amy Lawrence and Ian Stone also on that. Uh, thank you, David. Also on the Arsenal feed, uh, you can hear Ian Wright and Alan Shearer in conversation at Highbury and the Emirates discussing their memories of facing each other and the future for Arsenal. So that's all on Handbrake Off. You know, the one thing Tony would always say before is about our patch. Before you come out here, Tony was like... Because you know when you see them players in the dressing room, oh, I'm really pumped, man. Mm-hmm. Pumped, veins coming out of his neck. That's what he's like. <laughs> and it was like, and then, you know, you don't need to say too much to someone like Martin Keown, mm. you know. You know, all you need to do is say, Shearer, I remember Shearer last time in England, he said, yeah, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to have you in his pocket, Shearer. He's going to, and Martin, Martin, <laughs> Martin's really Explode. He's ready to explode. And the same with Tony, not an eye patch. You know, this this was our patch, not on here. So. I walked out of here, cut eye, not only for Newcastle and Blackburn it was, cut eye, broken nose, cut lip. <laughs> I had four stitches in my lip and six in my eye. Tony Adams. That's what that's what that's why I didn't like coming here. See? He finds it funny. 
And subscribe to The Athletic now for £1.99 a month for 12 months by going to theathletic.com slash footballpod. Thanks for listening. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.